Hello there and welcome to my podcast. I'm Sarah Louise, a construction and architectural photographer specialising in the built environment. I'm so glad you've pressed play today. Each week I drop a new podcast covering a behind the scenes look into photographing buildings and all things related in this space. So I cover funny on-site stories, occasional interviews with building industry leaders in the construction and architectural field, as well as tips and tricks on how to best prepare for photo shoots and much more. Really, my adventures navigating this fabulous field. So once again, thank you for listening. Let's begin. Hey, so today I thought I would talk about best practice for photographing on building sites. Um, But first, let's talk about last week. Uh, Last week I covered how I landed my first big client. Um, I fessed up to a few things and told you how it all happened, um, the events that occurred in order for that to happen, and I guess where I'm sitting at today. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet, please jump on. I highly recommend it. That's episode number four. Um, But today we do episode five and I can't believe I've actually been doing this for five weeks. (laughs) Um, Today uh, I guess will be mostly aimed at the construction industry uh, for how to prepare ahead of your end of project photo shoots. Um, So this is sort of uh, when when the project's finished and you call us in um, to get all of those hero shots. So um, we'll be discussing that today. I just want to preface this by saying I am very well aware that um, at the end of a project things can be a little bit hectic and photograph, uh, photography rather, is probably the last thing on your mind. Um, but also let me say as well that I... I'm aware of that. I'm, I always try to, my utmost not to be a major pain in your ass. Um, I do work very quietly. I pride myself on being unobtrusive as much as possible. Um, I like to just quickly get in and out and stay out of everybody's way. Um, but if you will humour me <laughs> and let me be a little bit assertive for the next 15 or 20 minutes, just to let you know how we can achieve the best results from your project Um, I guess after all when it's all sort of said and done I'm sure you want to show it off to its fullest potential right so I've got five of the most common issues uh, that face a photographer when photographing on site and by this I'm talking about issues that once again do happen at the end of a project Um, so let, let's run run through them, shall we? <laughs> so number one is really, really simple, um, but you just, you wouldn't believe how many times it happens. I would say probably 40% um, of times that I head out to site, this, this happens, and that's obstructions in front of the facades. So <laughs> you would think fairly simple, right? Um, not always. <laughs> Things such as machinery, cars, trucks, 
um, bollards, um, safety barriers and things like that, temporary fencing even. Uh, it's the bane of my existence. Uh, I can tell you that there's nothing more disappointing than, you know, when you drag your ass out of bed at about 3.34 o'clock in the morning um, so that you can be ready and get to site before the sun's up to capture a finished facade and you arrive and there might be like a mobile crane parked right in front of the job. <laughs> now, I'll admit I'm pretty good at Photoshop, but there are some things that are just too big or obstructive to Photoshop out, um, especially if it's an intricate facade. So, um, you know, trying to Photoshop or, or even recreate sections of a building can be pretty hard when you've got big things like that parked in front. Um, and I guess the only option sometimes is to crop, you know, to point your camera up to the sky and crop out half the building and nobody wants that, do they? <laughs> so it is with purpose that, you know, we do head out to photograph at this early hour. Um, I know you probably think, well, that's a bit crazy. Why can't you just photograph it later? But it, it is definitely with purpose. Um, but reason being, we have a very small window um, to photograph and, and we actually photograph at what they call first light. Um, that's before the sun makes its appearance, so before sunrise. And it can last for only a few minutes to get the exact light we need. So um, sometimes, you know, just like maybe three or four minutes. So usually there's not enough time to find Bob who has the keys um, and ask him to, you know, move whatever's in front of the building. And I, I do say this not to be a wanker or to be difficult, but seriously, um, you know, if you've, if you've got something like a glass facade, we're looking for that, you know, that beautiful dark blue sky behind and then you get the reflections all over the glass as well. Um, so you get all that nice colour and, you know, once the sun's up, that's you know shadows start appearing um you don't have that even sort of tone across the building so if you're lucky you know sometimes you can get some nice shots after the sun is up um, but sometimes you know half the building's lit half the building's in shadow and I guess you get my drift it doesn't look great so I beg of you <laughs> Um, if at all possible, it's best to check at the end of the day uh, that trucks and equipment is clear from the front of the job. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, clear for the whole day. It's only usually we're only there for, um, well, certainly outside for maybe half an hour max. Um, so, you know, it's just half an hour that we're asking of trucks and things like that to be not in front of the job. And, and as well, bollards. Um, you know, there's orange bollards that are quite often just sitting sitting around the front of jobs and, um, yeah, not a good look. <laughs> okay, so number two is all about turning the lights on inside. So if it's possible, having the internal lights on for the building will really bring a building to life. Um, God, I, I really sound like a wanker, don't I? <laughs> but um, I guess... 
I do understand that, you know, it can be tricky as most lights in bigger buildings work on sensors. However, if there is a master override that can be triggered the night before, um, just for the photo shoot day, it's it's a super win for us. Um, the reason being is that when it's dark outside and light inside, it allows for you to see inside the building. This can also be uh, super effective and much nicer to look at. But not only that, as I said before, it does bring the building to life by showing fine details. So, for example, if the building has external lights or detail lights, it can show off texture, say, in the cladding, which is super cool. And another way, I guess if there's no master switch, another way to get around things is just by turning on the lights in the rooms that are fronting onto the street. So, um, yeah, and, and if, if that can be done, that's great. I understand if it's, you know, a huge apartment complex or huge commercial building, that's probably not feasible. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess optimum result is to have all the inside lights on. Um, it's also good so that when we're going inside to photograph, we can sort of work backwards so we can uh, turn the lights off as we finish in rooms um, just to get the best results. Okay, so number three <laughs> is cleaning and cleaners. <laughs> now, this is a bit of a funny one, but would you believe that cleaners are another bane of my existence, a super pain in my ass? Let me explain. <laughs> so obviously it's imperative that when we're photographing, the job is clean. Um, the I guess the quality of our cameras these days really pick up every minute detail. Um, you know, we see dust on benches and finger marks on windows and mirrors and things like that. But um, even more so is... I guess let's talk about how, how the cleaners affect us. I know in their heart that their heart's in the right place and they're trying to have everything just so, um, probably as directed by you. And um, when they're on site, you know, they're madly rushing around doing what, doing what they're told. Um, but... Something that's happened in the past or happens often so is washing washing a floor, something very, very simple. So they'll um, mop the floor and half of the floor might dry before the other half, uh, which causes a colour color shift on the floor and it looks, you know, it looks really, really bad Um looks worse, I guess, than even if the floor had been left unwashed. Um, <clears throat> half wet and half dry concrete is an absolute nightmare. You might think that it's easy to Photoshop, but actually in large areas, it's really quite a challenge to make the textures look realistic. So please either make sure that everything's done ahead of us arriving, um, with enough time for things to dry. <laughs> uh, I'll just tell you this funny story that once I was out very early on a morning shoot for 
um, <clears throat> let's just say a very large food chain restaurant and I was there very, very early in the morning. Um, I was setting up or all set up and I was just about to push the button and out comes the cleaner with a hose and he's wetting down the pathways and, and in turn um, the concrete, you know, half, half of the concrete gets wet and it's like, no, <laughs> I mean, am I being dramatic much? <laughs> I guess, but um, it really totally stuffed up the entire shoot. I was in position. I had perfect light situation ensuing um, and, you know, had the cleaner waited 30 seconds even, I would have been out of his way. Uh, But, yeah, he was very overzealous and was on a mission and I appreciate we all have a job to do, but I just can't stress how um, short our window of opportunity can be sometimes. Needless to say, um, by the time the concrete had dried, the opportunity was lost. It was, you know, the sun was up, it was daylight, there was no mood or atmosphere, just a very, very boring, flat, uninteresting lighting situation. And then I had to have the awkward conversation about the disruption and uh, organise another visit, which of course cost money. So client was a bit annoyed, shall we say. Um, so yeah, I'm not trying to be a smart ass or difficult. I'm just saying that, you know, if, if cleaning can be done ahead of time, um, I obviously have a bit of a love hate relationship for cleaners, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it, it does make a difference. Number four, when is the best time to book us in? So in most cases, um, I normally get a phone call around the time of PC, which um, for those of you who don't know the lingo, that's practical completion, uh, just before you hand over to the client. So you've got PC and you might be doing a walkthrough with the client that day, so everything's looking super, super spick and span and amazing. Um, but it should be also before they take possession and start messing everything up. So, for example, if we're shooting commercial office spaces, we don't really want to be capturing messy desks with people's personal items uh, laid out all over the place. Obviously, that's a privacy issue, um, but also, you know, it's got a good look. So... The best time, I guess, would be shooting it when the project looks its best. Having said that, sometimes if there's no furniture in the place, um, it might be better to wait and get permission for after they've settled in. And this actually might be a couple of weeks after handover, um, being that, you know, you've got all the plastic rubbish that comes off furniture that sits in hallways and um, things like desks haven't been set up properly or um, yeah plastic just basically plastic still over furniture and stuff like that so when when the dust settled and everyone sort of settled in sometimes it's it's better to even wait to that point Um, but that also leads me on to number five which is furniture and fit out so 
if there is an opportunity to shoot monster furniture is in its preferred uh, locations, it's optimum for us. Um, reason being that large spaces sometimes also need anchor points. So to show things like scale um, and to basically tie everything together. So I, I, I suppose there seems to be a bit of a trend lately with colour, um, quite colourful uh, furniture and, and loud, uh, I guess, interesting shapes and things like that. And it does play an important part in creating interest in photos. Um, I know that it's about the building, but having sort of anchor points that we can uh, use to lead you through the building is really, really sort of great practice. Um, when I'm setting up a shot, I'm always looking for, I guess, a pathway that if you're looking at the image, you can imagine yourself walking through. And we do this by placement of elements. So, you know, you might have a, a couch coming out of one corner, but that will let, allow for you to walk around and then snake around the room. Um, and it's just a little trick that uh, I, it's quite often used in real estate photography. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just a little trick that trick for the mind, I guess. <laughs> um, so furniture is, you know, a good idea if it, if it can be in. If... Perhaps we're photographing apartments and um, there is a sales suite that's set up earlier on in the job. Might be a good idea to get us to come in earlier, um, photograph the sales suite, and then we can come back when the job's finished to photograph all of the facades or detail shots. Um, so I guess... What we're left with, if, if the job doesn't have furniture, we're sort of left photographing quite big open spaces or honing in and um, getting those detail shots, which of course can be great, um, but at least if the, you know if there's a bit of furniture, there's a bit more contact, context. Um, other ways, if, if, if that's not an option, other ways of getting around things is putting just small elements in rooms. So, for example... If you're photographing in a kitchen, you might have a tea towel, some nice hand wash, um, a breadboard and maybe a few pieces of fruit or a cookbook, something like that. Just with those few elements, we can make it look like it is furnished um, and just create, you know, a little bit of interest. So that's my five tips for today. I just want to tie it all off by saying that just these small things really do impact your photos. And, um, yeah, as photographers, we appreciate the effort to, to sort of cover off those things. Now, next week, I'm going to be talking about juggling parent life and work. <laughs> so, actually, as I'm recording this, you might have heard in the middle somewhere um, a little bit of extra noise. I'm currently sitting in my walk-in wardrobe with the door closed, hiding from my kids, <laughs> hoping that uh, they won't walk in and make too much noise. I'm trying to be professional. <laughs> but uh, 
that's life for us. We've got two small children and you can probably hear them jumping about now. Um, it's a juggle and it's a juggle that a lot of parents have. And so, yeah, I just thought I'd have a chat about how we manage. Um, if you do like what you've heard today, I would say please jump on to Apple and leave a review. I have had quite a few already and I so appreciate that. Or if you do want to have a chat uh, one-on-one about an upcoming project that you think we might be a good fit for, I can be contacted via my website, sarah at sarahlouisephotography.com.au. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening today. Have a great week and tune in next Monday for your weekly dose of Adventures of a Construction Photographer. See ya!